0: feed on Facebook to families and friends that were not able to join us during the uh, Sunday morning hour. And so if you're wondering where that's going, it can be viewed on Facebook each and every Sunday morning right around 11, 1130, and also will be archived. If you miss a service and you'd like to go back and see, then that is where you can most certainly uh, go. Also, we're collecting a lot of information just to do a spring cleaning of sorts, Uh, If you are with us and you weren't here last week, if you have a bulletin, there's a little tear-off slip on the edge of your bulletin that has guest information. doesn't matter. This is not just for guests. It's for anyone. We're updating phone numbers, emails, cell phone numbers, addresses, and we would most certainly love for you just to take a minute and fill that out. Everybody, that would be our pleasure, and we'd appreciate that, and you can just leave it on the table as you go out. Uh, We are sending some text messages, and so if you'd like to receive a weekly, maybe two, three times a week, no more than that, maybe only a time or two, uh, you can also see on the back of your bulletin how to subscribe to our Remind text messaging service. How many of you got a text message from me this week? All right, a few of you did. I hope you enjoyed that. You didn't block me, did you? You might have, and you just didn't want to tell me. Uh, We have about 120 folks that receive those text messages, and particularly as we get closer to Easter week, lots of events coming up for the Easter holiday. We just want to make sure that we can reach out to you via email, phone, text message, mailings, so that we can make sure everybody's on the same page. All right, enough with the housekeeping. Uh, Let's talk a little bit this morning from the Bible, and if you have your Bible, I hope you do. I'd invite you to turn to two places in the Scripture. You might need to use your sermon notes to bookmark the two. Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 19. Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 19. While you're turning there, let me ask, do you invite friends over for dinner? Do you host dinner parties at your house. You know, 20, 30 years ago, the most common way adults interacted with one another was through dinner parties. Hosting dinner parties, going to dinner parties, barbecues, these kinds of things, gatherings in homes. We don't do that as much today as we once did. We might meet at a restaurant or kind of do something out and about, but 20, 30 years ago, going to dinner parties was a normal thing, a very common thing. But I wonder if we've lost some of our technique or our skills in hosting dinner parties, having friends over for dinner. So this week, I thought I might need to brush up on my dinner party etiquette, my dinner party skills, and I went to the source of all things hospitality, I went to Martha Stewart. And got some tips on how to host, how to throw a dinner party. She began, properly, by saying you have to do a couple things on the preparation side if you're going to host a dinner party. She recommended two things. She recommended one, emptying the dishwasher and emptying the trash can before people come over. Martha is a genius. That makes perfect sense, right? You don't need a full dishwasher if you're about to have more dishes? Or wouldn't it be kind of sloppy to take the garbage out in the middle of the meal? Hey, everybody, take a minute, throw your garbage in here. I want to get it out to the can. You know, that, that's, that's not appropriate. She gave this tip in the preparation. She said, make dessert the day before. So all you have to do is pop it in the oven to warm it or pull it out of the fridge to serve it. Don't worry the day of about dessert. And we all know what's the most important part of the meal. Dessert, yes. Good tip, Martha. You're a genius. Now, she went in to do some tips on decoration. And and this table in front of us is a perfect example of decoration. She said, the most important decoration for your house, for your table, is the centerpiece. Would you agree with Martha? She said, a flower arrangement, candles, a decorative piece. Because as people are talking across the table, their eyes are constantly going past the centerpiece. She also recommended to not worry as much about the dinner plates as you do about the glasses. I thought this was interesting. She said, the dinner plates are covered in food. No one really sees the plates, but everybody picks up a glass. And they're bringing it closer to their face. They see the glass. And if you just step back across the table, the plates are flat, but the glasses elevate. She said, you got to really be selective on your glassware. She had a few other tips and I read them all and I needed help on every one of them. But her last tip was really important with our topic for today. This was her last tip and I'm reading it verbatim from her blog. Plan the meal so that you can be with your guest and not stuck in the kitchen. Brilliant, Martha. She says, Remember, you're part of the dinner party too. And your hosting should not result in you being away from your guest. Some tips from Martha Stewart, the queen of hospitality, on hosting friends over for dinner be well prepared, decorate properly, and make sure you spend time with your guest, be with your company. Don't spend all your time in the kitchen, busying yourself with the details of dinner and miss an opportunity to engage those you have invited into your home. You know, we're in a series called The Chef's Table. And we're talking about how God has invited us to a relationship with Him, how He's invited us to His table and how we can have communion with Him. And for the last couple weeks, we've been talking about Jesus's ministry, his earthly ministry, and how he interacted with people and how he worked with others. And today, I want us to be a fly on the wall at two dinner parties that Jesus was a part of. I want us to look at two passages, one in Mark and one in Luke, and see what it was like for Jesus to be the friend invited over for dinner. And it's interestingly enough that both of these passages have some enormous similarities. And one similarity is that the one who was hosting the party were both in the same business. Tax collectors inviting Jesus over for dinner. We begin reading in Mark chapter 2 verse 13 through 17. If you're with me, say I'm with you. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. Then passing by, he saw Levi, Matthew, same person, the son of Alphaeus sitting at the toll booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. While he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. And when the scribes, who were the Pharisees, saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked him, Why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he told them, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Turn over to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. Now Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay it back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him. Because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Two passages representing the bookends of Jesus' earthly ministry. Mark chapter 2 actually is the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. Shortly after his baptism and his temptation, Jesus begins calling disciples unto himself. One of the disciples that Jesus called is a man by the name of Levi, son of Alphaeus, who we know as Matthew. Luke chapter 19 represents the end of Jesus' ministry. This is Jesus coming to the conclusion of what would be his three and a half years in earthly ministry. And he's going through Jericho with the next stop being Jerusalem where he would be crucified. So you have two dinner parties that represent the bookends of Jesus' earthly ministry. One at the beginning, one at the end. And the guest of both Parties were tax collectors. Now, you need to know a little bit about tax collectors because there's been some things that have changed over the years and some things, honestly, that haven't changed. I visited my CPA a few weeks ago, getting ready for the dreaded tax season. Can we all have collective boo, boo, April 15th, boo. Tax collectors then were even a little bit different than maybe an IRS agent today. Because in that place and in that society, you had Jewish people being ruled over by the Romans. And the tax collector lived somewhere in the middle. If you get, get the point, the Jewish people were not the Romans. They were the ones being oppressed, the ones being held down. But taxes had to be extracted out of the Jewish people and given to the Romans. So the Romans knew that if they just came in and took it by force, that would cause revolt. So they hired Jewish people to serve in between among the community from within their own to get the taxes. So what happened ultimately to Matthew and to Zacchaeus was that they were Jewish by birth, but had been castigated from the society. They were not Roman by birth, but they were being used by the Romans to extract the taxes. Most likely, Matthew and Zacchaeus had been disowned from their family. They wouldn't be allowed to worship or to participate in the synagogue. But they weren't also allowed as Roman citizens into the pantheon, into their society. They were stuck in the middle. They were truly outcast on both sides. And over time... That reputation had resulted in other sinners, others that were outcast, to be attracted to these tax collectors. Now, it's interesting as we approach Jesus and how he deals with both men, how he deals with both situations, there are some other similarities. I want to bring a few of those to your attention. The first I want you to notice, notice is that there's an approach of Jesus that's the same for both. Jesus' approach to both of these men is the same. Look back in Mark chapter 2. You have your Bibles? Just We're going to thumb back and forth, okay? So be ready to kind of move between both passages. Mark chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. This is in the north around the Sea of Galilee, around the area what we call Capernaum. This is up, up, up a bit in the north. Verse 13 tells us that Jesus went out again beside the sea and the whole crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. Then passing by, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the toll booth. Matthew's just at his place of business. He's just doing his job. He goes and finds where crowds are gonna be gathered and he sets up his shop and that's where he does his work. Now, Luke 19, flip back over there. Different city. This is Jericho down in the south. Verse 1 tells us that he entered Jericho and was passing through. What was he doing in the north? Passing through. Jesus was coming through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now, Zacchaeus is a man of business, but he has other tax collectors under him. And because of this position, he's actually become wealthy. But we also know something about Zacchaeus. He's short. He has the problem I have. Height challenged. Significantly height challenged. And and I remember Zacchaeus because of the Vacation Bible School song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he... He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, and as the Savior passed him by, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. My favorite part, for I'm going to your house today. Should we all stand up and do the motions? Because you all know the song. I was teaching VBS a few years ago, and I don't know what got into those kids, but We were singing the Zacchaeus song. We were teaching the passage. And this one little kid, when he got to the Zacchaeus, you come down, he said, Zacchaeus, you come down right now. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, he had heard that at home a time or two and added a little extra to the song, a little dramatic impact. They're both just doing their thing. They're doing their job. They're in their place of business. One's in a tree, maybe on a lunch break. The other seated there at the present moment. And Jesus' approach is the same. Jesus enters their space. He enters their town. He enters their surroundings. Matthew doesn't have to go and hear Jesus. Jesus comes to him. And by... Chance Zacchaeus is going to see Jesus when Jesus comes right to that tree where he is. He engages them in their space. He engages them in their world. They didn't have to get cleaned up. They didn't have to change clothes. They didn't have to shine away the reputation that they had. Jesus approached them right where they were. Now friends, let me share something with you. If we want to reach people who are far from God... We shouldn't expect them to come here. The biggest fallacy churches have, good Christian people have, is the idea that folks who are far from God, who are away from Jesus, will want to come here good preaching and good singing. They could care less about good preaching and good singing. That's actually the last thing they want to hear is Bible teaching, Bible preaching good 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 music we have to go to where they are we have to enter into their space we have to enter into their world but most churches at their core do evangelism like this come and see instead of what jesus commanded go and tell The problem is that we think they're just going to naturally find us, naturally be drawn to us, naturally come into the houses of worship because of a good sermon, because of a good Bible study, because of a good song, a good program for students. And the reality is most unbelieving people keep a radius and a distance away from a church because that's the last thing they want. The less they have to deal with spiritual things, the better they feel like their life is. So we have to enter their space. You see, Jesus' approach was to enter their space. But secondly, I want you to see that Jesus had the same willingness to engage them both. For both Matthew and Zacchaeus, there was a willingness to spend time with them, to get to know them, to engage them. Look back in Mark chapter 2. 13 and 14, Jesus calls Matthew, come on, follow me. Immediately, we read in verse 15 that there's a dinner party that night and Jesus is going to recline at table with all kinds of tax collectors and sinners, all of those who had been pushed into that outskirt of society. Now, I don't know how it happened but I got a hunch I got a hunch that Matthew was a person of influence, maybe a person in the tax collecting business that had attracted others like him. And when Jesus called him to follow him, Matthew got up, followed Jesus, but in the intermittent time, he goes and he gets a hold of everybody. He communicates to all of his other tax collector friends, hey, everybody, Jesus is coming to my house and I'd like you to meet him. Matthew throws a party. And many who were followers came. Now, with Zacchaeus, it's a little different. In Zacchaeus' occasion, go back to Luke chapter 19, Jesus kind of invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus just says yes. You ever had somebody invite themselves to your house? Kind of a little pushy. You didn't invite them, they just told you, Oh, I'm coming by. I'm coming over. Jesus, in Luke 19, verse 5, sees Zacchaeus up in the tree and tells him, come down, not like that little boy, get down here, but come down. And then he says, because it's necessary for me to be at your house. It's necessary for me to stay at your house, verse 6. So he came down, and he welcomed Jesus joyfully. Zacchaeus didn't argue. He didn't say, oh, I got some other plans, Jesus. Zacchaeus didn't go home and kind of clean up the the house, remove anything that might offend Jesus. He just welcomes him. And here's what I want you to hear. If you're going to really reach people for Christ, you're going to have to go into their homes and you're going to have to invite them into your home. You're going to have to have a willingness to engage them in their space and open up your space to them. And I, I, I get the point. Well, what if they're unbelievers? What if at their house they use foul language? What if at their house they partake of an alcoholic beverage from time to time? What if at their house they don't pray before a meal? What if at their house... If I go, people might see my car pull up and might see that I'm hanging out with this group and, and the reputation of that person will kind of create a little rumor mill and maybe someone will say, oh, I saw you with them or I saw you at that place and that may shine a bad light on me, may shine a bad light on my name. Friends, I can tell you In all sincerity, there have been groups of people that have invited me into their home and I've asked myself a big, big question. Well, what if folks at church find out? Can I go there with them? And what if I happen to come out and folks say, Well, yeah, I saw Shane up there at so-and-so place with so-and-so person and I know what they do, so it must be he's doing the same. You know, we have to recognize Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners. He went to their home. He invited himself into Zacchaeus's home. We can't be so caught up about the reputation, the response, the rumor mill, that we miss an opportunity to engage people as Jesus engaged people. You know, we're followers of Jesus, Amen. That means we want to model our life as unto Him. We want to try to pattern ourselves as He would have us do. And Jesus interacted with people in their space and in their places. And He knew that there was going to be fallout with the religious establishment, but He could care less. Now, let me pose it this way. What if, what if, you were a missionary... In, let's say, Papua New Guinea, the least reached, most remote, most animistic and tribal place left on planet Earth. Let's just say you had been assigned to serve there and you go in for several months, maybe even a year. You're meeting the people and reaching the community. You're sharing gospel witness. You're doing what you can. And then one day, a chieftain of the tribe invites you to his home. Now, you know about this chieftain. You know that the chieftain is a worshiper of demonic spirits. That he's a headhunter and has killed people from other tribes as a warlord. And you've even heard, you're not sure, but you've heard rumors that there was cannibalism after a victory. But this chieftain invites you to his home. And even as you think about going, you're pretty sure that prior to your arrival, the chieftain would be worshiping and entranced in some sort of voodoo, animistic worship right there in the house that you're about to be in. Would you go? Would you go to his house? Would you go by his invitation? If you were on mission and you had been sent there, of course you would go. You would absolutely go. Not going would be the antithesis to the whole point of you being there. You would go because you understand that part of reaching him for Christ is building a relationship with him. It's learning about him and having him learn about you. You would understand that part of that Witnessing would begin by expressing God's love. And if He opened His home to you, that would be an avenue by which you would begin to express God's love. It may even give you a chance to have a conversation about Jesus. Would you go? Of course, you would go. But what if that chieftain wasn't in Papua New Guinea? What if that man was a local bar owner here in Hardin County? What if that man was a known criminal who had spent some time imprisoned? What if that man wasn't a man at all, but a young lady who had a known reputation of abortion and terminated pregnancies? Would you go? Of course you would go. Of course you would go. You would care less about the reputation and the rumor mill because you would recognize you were doing what God had called you to do, to go and to make disciples. To not to be so tore up about the religious establishment wondering why your car is parked out front of that establishment. Of course you would go. You see, if we really understand Jesus in his approach, we have to recognize he's also calling us to be willing to go into spaces, to go into places, to go into places that we might even feel uncomfortable with for the purpose of showing God's love, showing God's care, providing the message of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we have to be intermingled with every single thing that's happening in that place, but that does mean we have to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We have to go in, amen? I'm not sure y'all agree with me. Thank you, brother. Because y'all are looking at me like, I don't know about this, pastor. You're really challenging us here to step outside of what we know to be cultural Christianity. Safe and easy Christianity. But if you want to follow Jesus, you might have to find yourself in a place like the home of a tax collector. Surrounded by a bunch of tax collectors and sinners, the outcast of society. Jesus had a same approach. He had a same willingness. He also had the same message. This is what I love about Jesus. I just love this about Jesus In both scenarios, Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 19, with Matthew and his friends and with Zacchaeus, the message is never watered down. The message is never skirted around. Jesus calls sin, sin, and says, I have come to seek that which is lost. He doesn't skirt around it and try to pretend he's not who he is. He doesn't try to become something he's not. Jesus says about Matthew and his friends, I've not come to serve the well. I've come to those who are sick. I've not come to call righteous. I've come to call sinners. Jesus never skirted around a message. He never skirted around the reason he was there. With Matthew, he's telling that to the people in their presence. Now, with Zacchaeus, it's a little different. Zacchaeus, there's this complaint all oh, he's gone to stay in the house of a sinful man, but Jesus recognizes something's about to transform in Zacchaeus' life. Zacchaeus starts confessing. <laughs> you get around Jesus, you'll start confessing. He says, Lord, man, if I've done something wrong by people, I'm going to pay it back and I'm going to give to the poor for the very first time. A rich man writing checks. But Jesus says in verse 10 of Luke 19 about Himself. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Friends, the message never gets watered down. The message never is skirted aside. The reality is that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. We're all sinners who at one time were lost, who needed to be found. We're all the outcasts When it comes to our relationship with God that Jesus is inviting us back to. We're not somehow different, are we? We're only different because of the blood of Christ, because of the saving power of Christ. That's the only difference. The only way that we sinners have become saints is not because of anything we've done, but but everything because of Jesus has done And we got to remember, we got to remember, we don't have to skirt around the message, but we do have to be willing to go into the places, go into the families, go into the homes, get around people who need Jesus and invite them to trust Jesus. We don't have to water down our message. We got to show love, compassion, kindness, grace, and then offer them the only hope for the world. He had the same approach, the same willingness, the same message. And let me close with this. There was a similar outcome, maybe even the same outcome. For Matthew, we know him. He gets up from that tax booth and he follows Jesus for the remainder of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's one of the 12 disciples. You have a book of the Bible, a book of the New Testament, Pinned under his name. We know that Matthew probably lived until about 65 AD, where he was beheaded, martyred for the preaching of good news of Jesus. Now, Zacchaeus, we don't know exactly the history after the Jericho meeting, but We know his life's radically changed because he's giving away money and he's correcting those that he has wronged. But I will say to this to you, because of what Jesus said, salvation has come to this house today. You and I, if we know Christ, we will meet both Matthew and Zacchaeus in heaven. The outcome of their life is that they were both radically changed. And that's what Jesus does for any who trust him by faith. He radically changes them. We don't always get to see the evidence of that right up first, right up close. But you can be assured, if any call upon the name of the Lord and trust him by faith, they are saved, they are made new, they are made into new creations, and you will see them in heaven with me. Same outcome. So I wonder today, do you need to invite some friends over for dinner? Do you need to accept some invitations to go to some places that maybe you thought you ought not go? And do you need to invite friends and family into a relationship with Christ? The same approach, the same message, and we'll pray to God for the same outcome. Let's pray together. Father, I pray now that if Your Spirit has spoken anything to any heart, that we would be obedient to the Spirit's voice. If there is one here who hasn't trusted Your Son as Lord and Savior, who recognizes they're a sinner in need of a new hope, a new life, I pray that You would draw them to You today. They would recognize if they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that Jesus was raised from the grave, that they can be saved, made new. For the Christian, Father, I pray now that your spirit would urge us to be thinking about people we need to have over for dinner, families that we need to engage, friends that we need to reach out to, even if it costs us a little bit of our reputation, cost us a little bit of our good name. For the sake of the gospel and for the sake of that person, we will go. If there are other decisions that need to be made, Lord, I pray that we would respond appropriately now to your voice. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Would you stand?